Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. The situation is rough, but we need to be realistic about the situation and do something, not just talk about it. Uh, you, You know, the Hebrews might have a few things that they wanted in that situation. Uh, They might have wished they still had the temple, but they don't. It was burned down. Uh, They might wish they still lived within the walls of Jerusalem, but they don't. They're in Babylon now. They might wish they could still drink the wine of their own vineyards, but they can't. And they might wish they can sing their songs in Judah, but they can't. Amen. Let's get into the word. Uh, Today's message is going to come from the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. I'm going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. Again, that is Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 1 and verses 4 through 7. I'm going to be reading uh, the New International Version today uh, of God's Word. Let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 4, this is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper." The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for this opportunity to study your word. Uh, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim in a barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me in thy powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed us all until we want no more. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. It is in your darling son, Jesus Christ's name, I submit this prayer. Amen. Uh, For the time that is ours to share together, I would like to talk a little bit about don't move until God moves. Don't move until God moves. A little something about myself. I don't like quick fixes. I want to be able to fix something once 
and not have to worry about it anymore. I don't want to just get it down the road uh, because I know every time someone suggests or someone implements a quick fix to a problem that we'll be back there quickly fixing it again in a few months, if not sooner. However, it's hard not to want a quick fix, right? We watch television shows where they solve the world's problems in 30 minutes, really 22 minutes with eight minutes worth of commercials. Uh, they build houses, they take over businesses and turn them around. They do all kinds of things. There are advertisements out there that say you can lose 15 pounds in a week without any diet or exercise. Just take this supplement and you'll lose uh, the weight. There are online courses that if you sign up for them in a week, you'll be able to create your own six-figure income almost overnight. Um, there are millions of people that play the lottery, even though we have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than actually winning. We want the quick fix because the quick fix makes us feel good no matter the reality of the situation. And Jeremiah is dealing with a quick fix situation here in chapter 29 in the scripture. Uh, Jeremiah is writing a letter to the people in Babylonian captivity. Uh, even though I read verse 1 and verse 4 through 7, uh, the entire letter is actually verses 1 uh, through 23. And Jeremiah wrote the letter in 29 because of a situation that happened in chapter 28. Uh, you see, to understand 29, what happened in 28 is that there was another prophet that was going around. The, the people of God had been captured by Babylonia and they were in the Babylonian land and there was a prophet by the name of Hananiah and Hananiah said, he prophesied, that your situation was going to be over quickly and easily. Hananiah said that they would be out of captivity in less than two years and they would be back to where they were real soon. Don't worry about it. We'll be back in Jerusalem. We'll be back in Israel in less than two years. Jeremiah had given a, a vision of a yoke being around the people's neck, meaning that they were going to be suffering. They were going to have to work real hard. But Hananiah prophesied that that yoke was going to be broken. Jeremiah prophesied that the people needed to figure out how to live under King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, but Hananiah prophesied that the leader, King Nebuchadnezzar, would be removed. I submit to you that Hananiah died a year after making his prophecy. But the people wanted to hear what Hananiah had to say because Hananiah's prophecy removed the blame from the people of God. It absolved them of personal responsibility. But we don't have a book of Hananiah to read from. Hananiah is but a story in the book of Jeremiah. We don't have a book of Hananiah. We do have a book of Jeremiah. 
You see, God told even Moses 800 years before the Israelites got captured, before they entered into the promised land in Deuteronomy 28, God told them, the prophets told them that they needed to change their ways. And if they didn't change their way, something bad was going to happen. The prophets told the people of God for 800 years to change their ways, and it didn't happen. They did not change their ways. And it's hard when times are good to look at that and say, you know what, maybe this isn't right. It's hard when times are good to to uh, be the one in the room to say that this won't last. Nobody pays attention to that person because they want to let the good times roll. They think we've been around for hundreds of years. We're going to be around. We don't need to change what we're doing. We don't need to reconfigure anything. We don't need to take an approach to it. It's been good now, and it's going to stay good. That is the type of mentality that they had. And so when they were told over and over again to change, then they were surprised when the Babylonian king took them over and enslaved them. And so they were in captivity. And when they were in captivity, it's real easy, or easier rather, to reminisce about the good times. It's easier to blame Nebuchadnezzar or to think that this situation is temporary. It's hard work to stick into this situation and realize I caused it myself. And it's even harder once you realize that as well to actually do some work to change it. Uh, this is this situation of captivity is where we get uh, Psalm 137 verses 1 through 4 from where it says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked of us a song and those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, sing us one of those songs of Zion. How shall we sing songs? How shall we sing the Lord's song, rather, in a foreign land? Nebuchadnezzar is not absolved of what he and the Babylonians did, but we just can't sit around blaming them and not taking any personal responsibility, not taking any action. Uh, this prophet Jeremiah was telling those who moped that God says your old life is dead. Your new life is to be found in Babylon. Deal with it. Settle down. Adjust. Jeremiah did not want the people to have false optimism. Ah. Uh, you, you, you know, we, we always think times are going to be good until the stock market crashes. We think times are going to continue until that job goes away. We think they love us until they come home and tell us they don't and they want out. We cannot have this false sense of optimism. 
there is no quick fix. God is telling through Jeremiah, these people, you are going to have to change your behavior. You're going to have to deal with new people. You're going to have to deal with new land. You're going to have to do more work. Things were nice in Israel, but we are not in Israel anymore. And we won't be back anytime soon. Reach out to the people around you right now. You may not like your present situation, but your survival depends on accepting it. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities the power that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The situation is rough, but we need to be realistic about the situation and do something, not just talk about it. Uh, you, you know, the Hebrews might have a few things that they wanted in that situation. Uh, they might have wished they still had the temple, but they don't. It was burned down. Uh, they might wish they still lived within the walls of Jerusalem, but they don't. They're in Babylon now. They might wish they could still drink the wine of their own vineyards, but they can't. And they might wish they can sing their songs in Judah, but they can't. One of my favorite books is Good to Great by Jim Collins. I enjoy reading that book because one of the things that they say in the book is that good is the enemy of great. And he talks about organizations that when they think something's good enough, they won't want to improve it. They won't want to change it. And that's how come good things rarely become great, because they're usually only concerned with good enough. Admiral James Stockdale is one of the subjects in the book, Good to Great. Admiral Stockdale spent uh, between 1965 and 1973 as a prisoner of war in a camp that was so horrible they sarcastically named it the Hanoi Hilton. Stockdale was the highest ranking U.S. military officer in this camp with no prisoner rights no set release date, and no hope that any prisoner would even get out of this camp alive. 
the Vietnamese army used uh, them as propaganda, used the prisoners as propaganda. And, and in the book, Good to Great, author Jim Collins asked Admiral Stockdale this question. Who didn't make it out? And how could you tell when they weren't going to make it out of this camp, this prisoner of war camp? Uh, that's easy, said Stockdale. It was the optimists. The optimists were the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas. Christmas came and went. Then they'd say, oh, we'll be out by Easter. And Easter came, Easter would come and it would go. The optimists would pin their dates on Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then eventually he says they died of a broken heart. Stockdale says you must never confuse faith that you will uh, never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end. Instead, you must confront the most brutal facts of your reality, whatever they might be. And that is what Stockdale did to survive in this prisoner's camp. Face the brutal facts and then take action to change your situation. So therefore, Jeremiah's advice to the Jewish people in exile and by extension to us is to do two things. First, decide if we're here wherever here is, in the will of God. And second, if so, settle in as though we're going to be here for life or until God moves us on. Jeremiah's counsel is that in life, the circumstances in which we find ourselves are not always amenable to an easy solution. And it might be best to adapt to your surroundings and adjust to make life bearable and adopt a lifestyle that's the social norm for your area or your neighborhood. That does not mean that you compromise your faith, but it means you've got to be willing to take the long view. This problem, situation, and context are here to stay for an indefinite future. And when we find ourselves in a new place, a new life, or a new experience, we should decide how we can live a meaningful life within the situation rather than outside of the situation. God tells them that you are going to be stuck in this land for a while, so you need to work the land that you're in. Settle into the land and make a community with the people in the area. Look at what you have around you and put it to use. Don't spend a bunch of time and energy talking about what you used to have in Jerusalem, what it used to be, what it used to do. Don't spend that time. Work on the land that you're in and work on the land that you're in right now. There are resources and opportunities all around us. But as long as we keep saying we can't do anything, we are going to be right. There is still time to grow. There is still time to change. Just because you are in Babylon right now instead of Jerusalem doesn't mean you can't grow. 
Uh, the, the, the text uses the word shalom, peace, all over the place in, in the book of Jeremiah. But shalom or peace is a state of mind, not just a location or a status. It is used throughout the passage uh, of the book, and it applies to all walks of life. God is present and active with the people, even in a foreign land. And God is concerned about not only the spiritual welfare, because he says to pray for the people of Babylon and pray for the city, but also the physical, because he says plant here, grow here, increase here. God doesn't just say keep praying. He says keep praying and work the land. Start some families. Build community. Connect in the area you are currently in. Because God is with you whether you're in Babylon or Jerusalem. God is with you whether you're in Baghdad or Boston. God is with you whether you're in the pit or the palace. Move beyond God bless America to God bless me everywhere. And so Admiral Stockdale said in his interview with Jim Collins that I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would get out and I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into a defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. He had a hope for a future, even though the future was uncertain. Jeremiah is, a, is able to tell these people it's going to be long and hard and you're going to have to do some work and the future is going to be uncertain. But I can tell you this, even though you work this situation in uncertainty, there is a certain future for you. Uh, you have to understand uh, uh, Jeremiah 4 through 7 that you're going to be stuck here for a long time. Jeremiah 29 4 through 7 because when you get Jeremiah 29 4 through 7 that you're going to be stuck here for a long time, you will appreciate Jeremiah 11 where he says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And it goes on to say in the next verse, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and for all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away. If you are willing to put in the work, if you are willing to work the land, if you are willing to pray for peace in Babylon and not just in Jerusalem, God has a future and a hope for you. Don't argue with me. That's in the book. You just have to be willing to endure the hardness and be willing to go through the trials and the tests to appreciate that hope on the end. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Pray with me, please. 
Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above, Lord God. We thank you for this opportunity to study your word. Lord God, we ask uh, that it be a seed that is planted in good soil and produces a great harvest for your people. Uh, we ask a blessing upon those who heard it and those who will hear it later, that if they don't know you in the pardon of their sins, they'll want to get to know you and get to know your son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself willingly for us so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Let your Holy Spirit do his holy work through your holy people in your holy church for your holy kingdom. It is in your darling son's precious, perfect, powerful name, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simpson Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching, and God bless.